0: back Buffalo Bills fans it's Matt Warren editor-in-chief at buffalorumlinks.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A here on the Buffalo Rumlinks podcast network I wanted to remind you before we get into our questions following the big win over the Los Angeles Rams I just wanted to remind you you can call in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405 You can tweet us at Q and a that's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us emails, buffalorumblings at SBNation.com. Facebook messages and Instagram messages will also make their way to me. There are just so many ways to get in touch with the show. You can leave your questions in the show notes, comments section over at buffalorumblings.com as well. Now, obviously, the Bills game against the Los Angeles Rams was really exciting in a lot of different ways. Some good, some bad, but mostly good coming out with the win so let's get right to my takeaways from the game and if this was a different type of podcast there'd be like some zany sound effects here but my first takeaway was just gulp with an exclamation point the bills were up 28 to 3 the rams scored 29 straight points to go up 32 to 28 and then the bills kind of made their little own comeback uh, the final drive of the game for the Bills went 11 plays, 80 yards, and a huge touchdown to take the lead, earn, earning the victory. Uh, they needed a penalty flag on fourth down, but uh, they were able to come out with a victory, and that's really all that matters. Um, still, it was like one of those games where your stomach was in your throat, and then back in your st- in the pits of your stomach, and then back up, and then and then back down. Um, Secondly was the interception, uh, Tyler Croft. I mean, let's start with the fact that it was a terrible decision by Josh Allen to throw that ball. He was being flushed from the pocket. There was guys in his face. He just chucked it up for his guy, Tyler Croft, in what amounted to double coverage. Croft commits pass interference because he doesn't want them to, to get the ball. He shoves his man out of the way, grabs the ball in the air. As he's coming down, the other Rams defender grabs the ball. While it's still in Croft's possession, Croft hits the ground and everybody's like, okay, offensive pass interference, you know, that's the worst that's going to happen. But no, the refs ruled that it was an interception and replay doesn't overturn it because there's no clear evidence to to overturn it. So it was a garbage call that was backed up by replay. Um, It just shows how imperfect replay really is because it goes heavily on what the call on the field was. In this case, it should have been overturned. Um, Croft either had possession first or at least maintained possession to the ground. theres I don't think there was any doubt about that. And so a tie apparently goes to the offensive player in that situation. So at worst, it was a tie for Tyler Croft. Um, I still don't know how they ruled that an interception. And we're not going to get an explanation from the NFL on that anytime soon. Uh, but the, the my next takeaway was the third quarter woes continue. The Bills have been outscored in every third quarter this season. Uh, They just have this bad history of not making very good halftime adjustments or at least not being able to counterpunch when other teams do make halftime adjustments. That was what the Fox uh, reporters said, that Sean McVay and the Rams offensive staff huddled together during halftime and were able to come out and put together a really nice game plan. So it just takes the Bills a while to counter the counter, I guess is the right way to say it. Maybe it's that they lack fire coming out of the third quarter. It doesn't really matter if the Bills are ahead or the Bills are behind, but it's a lot more prominent when the Bills are ahead that they come out a little bit flat in the third quarter. So it's something to monitor looking forward. You can't have just complete bad quarters against elite NFL teams and expect to win. They were able to beat a good Rams team despite their poor third quarter. And the Bills actually scored a really nice touchdown on the opening drive of the third quarter. So I mean, it wasn't like it was a complete tire fire disaster, but it certainly wasn't enough. Moving on, the run defense was problematic. They allowed 167 yards on the ground, which is the most since their week eight loss to the Eagles in 2019. Um, It's hard to tell what the reasoning is, and I know we've got some questions behind this that'll come later, but maybe it's the lack of Star Maybe it's uh, something else. Maybe it's, you know, an injury to Tremaine Edmonds or... whatever it happens to be there's just a bad run defense right now um it was 4.6 yards uh, per carry all season even though the bills have been way up in games it was 5.2 yards per carry uh, and daryl henderson had 114 yards and a touchdown on 20 carries sunday so obviously not great for the buffalo bills run defense I listed what happened at the wide receiver position as well. There are so many great storylines in the wide receiver position. Gabe Davis, um, absolutely blowing up in the first half. Um, Stefan Diggs, I mean, kind of coming around to 49 yards receiving and a touchdown, um, over the course of the day. Um, I, I thought about making Cole Beasley, the headline because of his absolutely stellar final drive and really second half. Um, John Brown being injured, all of those things were, you know, could have been their own headline, but I threw them all together in the wide receiver section. The Tyler Croft game uh, was the next headline. I did have eight takeaways from this game, which is more than my usual five. There was a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> and uh, Tyler Croft coming in um, after overcoming everything that he's gone through and having two touchdown catches, including that game winner, which was an impressive catch. It wasn't like, you know, it was a super easy, like, you know, pitch and throw like the first one was. You know, he had full extension falling to the ground. Like, we've seen plenty of Bills players hit the ground with that ball and have the ball squirt out. So it was a great catch by Tyler Croft and then uh, Tyler Croft's wife, Lexi, who is um, nine months pregnant with their child, saying that uh, her husband's going to make her go into labor was probably the tweet of the day, so make sure you go check that out over at BuffaloRumblings.com. I thought Devin Singletary really kicked it into drive uh, on Sunday, uh, so the headline for that uh, takeaway was motoring. Uh, he, he ran the ball 13 times for 71 yards, had another 50 yards uh, in receptions, and uh, really just took over. You, you didn't see T.J. Yelding getting too many snaps. Obviously, Zach Moss was out with his uh, foot injury, so it was nice to see Devin Singletary be able to take over the game, and I think it's going to start moving away from 50-50 right now. Zach Moss just has not been as impactful as we thought he was going to be. And then finally, I finished up with Josh Allen, who just continues making plays that only he can make or only like elite quarterbacks can make. And as long as those plays significantly outnumber those boneheaded decisions, uh, the Bills are going to be in business. They're scoring a lot of points and uh, it's on the back and the arm of Josh Allen. So, yeah, he had that boneheaded throw he had he did get flustered in the fourth quarter, but he was able to settle down and complete a third and 22 pass to Cole Beasley for, for 22 yards. He was able to complete long passes, uh, passes for you know, 15, 18, 20, 25 yards over the course of this game with some very good accuracy. He's still going to have frustrating plays. That's OK, as long as he keeps making those plays that only elite quarterbacks can make. Those are my takeaways from the game. Let's get to some of your questions now. Mark over on Twitter asks us, It seems like our defensive line was getting dominated all second half. Was this because of fatigue? I think our D-line is a bit undersized and it's catching up with us a bit. I really hope it's not fatigue. The Bills are nine deep on the defensive line. They rotate guys more than, I mean, any coaching staff I can remember, Sean McDermott loves to rotate his defensive linemen. So if it's fatigue, then they need to get into better shape real soon. Um, I think they do miss Star Latulale more than folks maybe might want to admit because they think Star's overpriced or whatever. But he, that guy eating up blockers was really helpful for the linebackers in particular. And we'll get into that with a question coming up here after the break. But I, I don't think that it was anything to do with fatigue. The guys have so many opportunities to sub in, and uh, even like when Mario Addison went out, they, they still have you know plenty of guys, uh, eight guys dressed for the game, that can rotate through that defensive line. So I, I highly doubt it was fatigue. They were just getting blown off the ball, especially as the game wore on. You know, they need a little bit more beefy guys down there. And maybe you start to wonder about the long-term viability of a guy like Harrison Phillips, um, who you love to have on your team, but is he really going to do what you want him to do in the trenches? So it's, it's a really interesting conversation looking at the Bills' defensive line. How are they giving up so many yards per attempt? Are they keeping the guys off of the linebackers like they're supposed to? just really what's going on on that defensive line. And I think we're going to get a little bit closer look at that this week uh, in some of our film analysis. Thanks for your question over on Twitter. We're going to take a quick break, come back, keep talking about the defense, and, of course, lots of questions about Josh Allen. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> Back, let's head to the phone lines, seven one six five zero eight zero four zero five. Hi there, this is Dan from Rochester. I'm calling with a question about our rookies. It seems like all of our rookies have gotten a touchdown very early in the season. Do you think this is just coincidence or is this more of a plan to kind of get them this first opportunity early? Um We had Zach Moss scoring against the Jets and then um, Davis and Gilliam both scoring against the Dolphins. I can even go back to last season where Knox got his first touchdown against Cincinnati and Singletary got his first touchdown against the Giants. Let me know what you think. Thanks. Bye. Dan, that's a really cool observation and I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, the Bills seem to be getting their young guys involved, at least on offense, early, which is like the opposite of what they're doing on defense when they make guys like A.J. Epinesa inactive in his first NFL game, and then they bring along a guy like Ed Oliver slowly last year. So it really is interesting to see the difference between the offense and the defense. Uh, Maybe they've been able to take advantage of opposing teams not really being able to game plan for Reggie Gilliam or or Gabe Davis Uh, even last year, like you were talking about Dawson Knox, I don't think that's necessarily the plan. I just think those guys have earned their way onto the roster and are making themselves available. You see, you know, Reggie Gilliam playing his way onto the roster during training camp, or Gabe Davis playing his way in, into the Bills, really changing their offense to a four wide receiver set because he's played so well in training camp and the early part of the season. So I think it has more to do with those guys just playing really well uh, than it does with, you know, they really want to get their rookies on the board right off the bat. You know, they don't, the Bills haven't been forcing anything, Uh, whether it's to Stephon Diggs or John Brown, Cole Beasley, Gabe Davis, Reggie Gilliam. I don't think they're forcing anything on offense, and they typically have just been taking the defense gives them and it's working been working really really well so i I love the observation i just don't know if it's like the plan quote unquote so uh again thanks for the question over at 716-508-0405 great observation a pair of connected questions over on twitter Mormon 2020 asks us hey do you know if any quarterbacks have passed for over 1000 yards in the first three games of this season Yes, Josh Allen has. We'll get to that in a second. And then Jeremy asks us, is it time to say Josh Allen is our franchise quarterback? Allen is one of only two players over 1,000 yards in the first three games of the season. Dak Prescott leads the league in passing. Again, it's because he's playing from behind. Prescott has 1,188 yards and Allen has 1038. Uh, But Josh Allen is leading in yards per attempt at 9.1 uh, he's got a better completion percentage than Prescott. Uh, he's thrown twice as many touchdowns, fewer interceptions. His passer rating is 124.8, which I think leads the league. I'd have to double check that. Uh, he's just he's doing a lot better than Dak Prescott on a per play basis. So I obviously you know I'm biased, but I think Allen's having probably the best season of an NFL quarterback. Now you can take a look at Russell Wilson who's got 925 yards and 14 passing touchdowns. That's insane. So, I mean, he's also doing really well. Got a really high completion percentage, higher than Allen, in fact. Uh, He's also at nine yards per attempt. So, I mean, those two guys are really running neck and neck. But there is, you know, a 1,000-yard passer in the NFL after three weeks. There's two of them, and one of them's Josh Allen. Uh, Is he the franchise quarterback? I mean, everybody has different opinions on that. Um, I, my personal opinion is, I, my definition of that is that they're going to give him his next contract. And so as long as he's in line to receive his next contract, I think the Bills are making plans around him, which qualifies as a franchise quarterback for me. So I think he is the franchise quarterback right now. But that doesn't mean he's like a top five NFL quarterback. He needs to prove that over you know a long period of time for that to, to make sense. But as long as the Bills are planning on giving him his next contract, uh, you can consider him the franchise quarterback, and that's really how I, I look at it. Look at a guy like Aaron Rodgers; he's a franchise quarterback, but I don't mm-hmm. think the Packers are going to look to give him another contract. So, is he the franchise quarterback for like the moment? He is, but he's not in their long term plans. Probably. I mean, I mean, he's he's old for sure, but also they drafted a guy in the first round. Like, I mean, he's just not in their long term plans. So. My definition is, you know, a guy who's in their long-term plans and they plan on giving another contract to. So, yeah, I think that Josh Allen is a franchise quarterback right now. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, guys. At Q and a Joe sends us an email at buffalorumlings at SBNation.com. What's the deal with Josh Norman? He was broke in Washington, broke in training camp, and he's broke now. Why do we take this guy instead of trying to draft a CB2? I want the Bills to have solid corners, but so far I feel like he's not worth the 6000000 million we're paying him, especially with no return on the first quarter of the season. Yeah, that's a valid concern. Uh, Norman is eligible to come off of injured reserve this week. Uh, Sean McDermott was very low-key on his injury situation in his Monday press conference, really giving no information whatsoever, whereas Dan Lavoie called it an update. And... So if if Norman comes back and he can, you know, play better than Levi Wallace, I think obviously that that'll be money well spent. That's what the Bills brought him in for, is to be an upgrade <clears throat> to be an upgrade over Levi Wallace at that CB2 spot. Really the Bills are being taken advantage of in man-to-man coverage in particular with Wallace and Taron Johnson at the slot cornerback position. So if Norman can come in and at least be more disruptive than Levi Wallace, I think it's money well spent. And you can't have too many good corners, so I would rather have Norman starting with Levi Wallace being my backup than Levi Wallace and nobody. Now, to your point about CB2, I think they could have benefited from a cornerback in the second round of the 2020 NFL Draft, and I was actually leaning that way um, once the board fell the way it did, because I didn't. I, while I like Epinesa, he's... More of that low ceiling, high floor kind of prospect, and I would have rather they gone out and tried to, you know, draft a CB2 in the second round, especially if they're going to make that guy inactive in week one. Like, I just I can't believe they made their second round pick inactive when they could have taken somebody that could contribute right away. Um, you know, they have needs, they have holes, and you're seeing it more and more in that defense. So, um, I'm with you. I, I think they should have probably taken a cornerback too. But I also think that pass rush was their biggest problem heading into this season, and so they threw a whole bunch of stuff at the wall, whether it's retaining Trent Murphy, bringing in Mario Addison, drafting A.J. Epinesa, um, the other guys that they brought in in free agency. They tried a whole bunch of things to improve their pass rush this year. I think it's working, too, by the way. The pass rush has been a little bit better, especially against you know the first couple quarterbacks, but... Uh, I see why they went past rusher. I wanted them to go past rusher, but, I mean, is A.J. Epinesa really a past rusher, or is he, like, that solid all-around defensive end? So I, you, you can at least see why they went the way that they went. But I, I'm with you. I want to see some return on investment for Josh Norman, and hopefully that comes in Week 4 against the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for your email, Buffalo Rumlings at sbnation.com. Wrapping things up today is Sharon over back on Twitter what's going on with our defense they're really struggling this year i definitely agree with that and i alluded to it a little bit in the previous answer i think that levi wallace and Taryn johnson are really being beaten in pass coverage especially in man-to-man you're seeing slot receivers like connor cup just like take advantage of Taryn johnson's coverage ability Uh, you're seeing levi wallace get beat uh, especially against the dolphins but you're seeing him being beat uh, one-on-one over and over and over again and and Tredavious White can't do it all at the cornerback position. It helps to have Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds back clogging up some of those middle passing lanes against the Rams, but you still saw Levi Wallace getting beaten over and over again. They really do need to upgrade that cornerback two spot. As far as the run game is concerned, I, I think I alluded to this earlier too. Starla Tulele was a big deal for them, and I haven't gone back and rewatched the game, but I just have a feeling that the guys aren't eating blockers on the off, on the defensive line like they were when Latulale was in the game. And so that doesn't keep the linebackers as clean. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, of course, was injured. And uh, they've been missing Milano and Edmonds, at least at full strength, for the vast majority of the season. So getting those guys back healthy is going to be important. Uh, continuing to work with the defensive line to eat up those blockers, to keep your linebackers clean, I think all of that is going to help the Bills moving forward. Uh The run game is troubling, especially with the Bills being up for so long this game. You know, the Rams just kind of ran it down their throat. And you're going to see, that's on tape now, so you're going to see other teams do that or, or try to do that to the Buffalo Bills defensive front. I also asked Dan Lavoie about this a little bit, and he had one more thing to add, and it was gap integrity. The Rams' running scheme really messed up the way that the defensive line and the linebackers play their gaps, and they were slow to react and got blown off the ball. Um, It won't come up often, but will for teams with complicated run games like New England and Baltimore. Obviously, those are two teams that the Bills are going to need to defend really well in order to do well in 2020. The Bills defended the Ravens very well last year. Let's see if they can do it again this year. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. As always, you can call in your questions at 716-508-0405. That's our voicemail line. Nobody's going to answer it. Just leave your voicemail. You can tweet us at rumblingsqanda. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Emails Buffalo buffalorumblings at spnation.com. There are just so many ways to get in touch with the show. Facebook messages, Instagram messages. Please send in your questions for next week's episode. We had a wide array of questions from a wide array of sources this week, and it always makes the show more interesting. Thanks again, and go Bills.